Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Hi everyone, my name is Rich and I'm really excited to be opening the Bible with you in your gatherings today. As Annabelle has explained, we are using the teaching moments in these Summer Sunday videos to ask the question, who are we as the church? What are we like? What are we to do? How are we to be? What should be true of us? What must be true of us? What shouldn't be true of us? What mustn't be true of us? What matters? What doesn't matter in this thing called church? And a whole load of related questions as well. And the main way that the Bible teaches Christians and communicates to Christians and forms the understanding of Christians on this theme is over and over again to use metaphors. Every day, images and objects that would be familiar to the people of the time to communicate things that are simple and yet incredibly significant about who we are as the church. So everyday and simple that any young child watching this will be able to understand much of what Jesus and the Bible says about the church and yet so profound and eternal and significant that the church has been marinating on it for two millennia and still hasn't got to the bottom of it. And so we've heard that we're salt and we're light and we are yeast. And today it comes even closer to home and more every day because we're thinking about the fact that as the church, we are a body, a body. Now, if you have a body, why don't you check, touch your arms and uh, check that you still have a body. And if you do, why don't you look at it and don't do the two things that our culture teaches us to do with our body, which is to worship it or loathe it. Don't do those two dead end routes to thinking about your body. Rather, why don't you simply look at it and then let it be what the New Testament wants it to be, a visual aid, a demonstration, a teaching aid to teach you who we are as the church. We are... A body. Now we're not just anybody or anybody's body. We are the body of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. And this language is all across the New Testament, right? And just to help you not zone out as the holy and powerful word of God is now read to you or flashed across the screen. Why don't you speak out in your gatherings the words that are in bold on the slides? But here's just a few verses across the New Testament about this. Colossians 1.18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Colossians 1.24, I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you together are Christ's body. Ephesians 5, 23, he, that's Jesus, is the saviour of his body, the church. Ephesians 5, 30, we are members of his body. So this is everywhere in the New Testament. Now, along with my friend Becky, we're going to share some reflections on these verses and we're also uh, going to give you a big opportunity at the end to stop, 
pause, process and pray. And I think particularly on the content that Becky's going to share, there's going to be lots that sparked your faith and your hope and your imagination. And you're going to want to talk it through and pray about it. So that's where your big chunk of interactivity is going to come. But just to get your juices flowing, why don't you press pause now and just share what's one thing from the top of your head that it might mean for us to be the body of Christ. There could be 711 things, but just say one and just bat those around for a few minutes. What comes to mind that we're the body of Jesus? And then press play and we'll dive in. Okay, welcome back. And I don't know what you were chatting about, but for me, there is so much in this body image. I think it's a unity image. All of the different bits of a body are united as one. And so it is in the church. We don't find ourselves by swanning off on our own, like a finger going and doing its own thing or an eyeball rolling down the street thinking that it's great. Rather, we find ourselves together in the church. It's also a diversity image, isn't it? The one united body only thrives when all the different individual bits of the body do their own unique and diverse role well. I think it's also a value image. We are not the litter of Jesus or the expendable, forgettable, throwaway item or object of Jesus. We are the body of Jesus. We are that close to him. We matter that much to him. The church is that important to him. And it's also a suffering image as well, isn't it? How many of you, when you take communion, think about the idea that Jesus broke some bread and said, this is my body. And when I do that, I think, yay, Jesus suffered, so I don't really have to. But then he says, no, you're my body. And when you break the bread next time, why don't you marinate on the idea that this is my body broken might not only be relating to Jesus, but now into the church age, maybe we are to be a broken body in some way as well. That's a lot to think about, so we won't hone in on that. I want to focus in on what you might call the missional aspect of this image. That just means how it helps us understand our relationship and responsibilities to those who don't know Jesus, those who are far from him, those who aren't close to him. And I would summarise it like this. When people come near to the church, it is meant to be like they're coming near to Jesus himself because we are his body. Think about it. We can just overcomplicate things and over-spiritualise this Bible stuff so much. But if this picture means anything, it means that we are the physical expression of Jesus in the world today. We are his body. Now that has not always been the case. Let me give you a quick biblical theology of God's body, okay? For eternity past, God the Father, God the Son and God the Spirit were incredibly happy, incredibly loving to one another, perfectly content. They had everything they needed. They were full to the brim, but they did not have a body, okay? God is spirit, the Bible teaches us. But then God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit created a physical world with physical people and that physical world full of physical people turned away from God. And so, fast forward quite a bit of time, at the first Christmas, God the Son 
remaining as God without losing one drop of godness, took on a human body, became one of us, became a human being. We hear that the the word became flesh in John chapter one. And you could now say that God has a bod if you want to make it rhyme, you could say that, but you might wanna be more reverent than that. And the word used for this process by which God the Son becomes God the Son in human likeness as one of us, Jesus of Nazareth, is called incarnation. Incarnation. And if you don't know what that means or you want to remember it, it's actually from a root word that you use quite often, which is carne, which means meat, as in chili con carne, chili with meat, okay? And so literally the incarnation means the process of becoming carne, becoming meat. Jesus is God con carne, God incarnate, God become meat, God become flesh. And so for 33 years, the way that you came close to God was to come close to God con carne, God in the flesh, to the physical body of Jesus. And so you see all through the Gospels, people flocking to him to hear the words from his physical mouth. People try and reach out and touch him and bring all the sick so that they can be healed by him and have his hands touch them so that their sickness can go and their dignity can be restored and they can be drawn into the community afresh. And uh, yes, of course, you can hear about him or you can just think about him or just guess about him. But the real action, as the woman at the well shows us, is in coming and seeing him because she meets Jesus and she has her life transformed and she runs back to her village and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see him. He's here. He's in his physical body. Come and see him. And so in Jesus, God is expressed not in the hypothetical, not in the theoretical, not even in the theological, but in the physical, the real, the tangible. God is made accessible and tangible and visible and experiential and relatable by him taking on a body. But then, sadly, right? is how we can sometimes think of it, everything changed. And tragically, uh, that accessible, tangible, visible, experiential and relatable God in a board, Jesus, left us after dying and rising again. He ascends to heaven physically. And so now we don't have God in a board on earth, do we? Heaven has God con carne, Jesus Christ, living there. But earth, well, we're just back to ideas and guesswork and hearsay again, aren't we? Until you open your New Testament and you read all the verses that we've just read, verses like Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body, which is present tense, his body. There is a body of Jesus on earth today. God con carne is still on earth. God in a bod is still on earth. But God's body, Jesus's body, is not lying in a tomb in Jerusalem. It's scattered through the nations filled with the spirit and it's called the church. And so how is God to be relatable and visible and tangible today in Birmingham, in your little bit of Birmingham? It's us because we're his body. 
And when people come near to the church, therefore, it's meant to be like they're coming near to Jesus because we're his body. And isn't that our hope and our prayer? And I wonder if you're watching this and you're not so sure whether you're a follower of Jesus. I wonder whether you can see that your experience of the church, though I'm sure imperfect, but where it is expressed things like love and welcome and grace, that is not just because there's some people doing some stuff, but it's because with the body of Jesus and it's Jesus's love and Jesus's welcome and Jesus's grace that flows through into the church. And won't you now dare to believe not just that some Christians like you and some Christians love you and some Christians want to welcome you and some Christians want you to be part of their lives, but that God himself, Jesus Christ, loves you and welcomes you and wants you to be part of his life. And he's using his body to show you that. Won't you believe that today? And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to dare to imagine what would it look like for us to be the church in a way that coming near to us was like coming near to Jesus. What does that say about our mouths and our eyes and our hands and our hearts and our feet that we're his body now? What does that mean for us? Now, look, uh, you're going to have some time in a little bit to discuss and process and pray off the back of this. But I want to now uh, give the mic to Becky Deer, who at the weekend away shared some phenomenal content in a seminar about the whole area of people outside of Christianity's view of Christianity and view of Jesus and view of the church. And I was so inspired by it and so uh, sparked by it that I've asked her to record just a few minutes condensed version of it now. So I'm going to hand over to Becky to kind of ground this in our relationship to those who don't know Jesus, what it might mean for that. Uh, And then I'm going to hand over to uh, a chance to pray and discuss uh, at the end. So for now, over to Becky. The last couple of years have felt disorientating, to say the least, and I know a lot of us have come out of a global pandemic feeling weary and a bit depleted and asking that question of of where has God been? (laughs) What is God doing in the world and in our nation and amongst our friends? And I know I've certainly, in all honesty, asked God not not just once, but Lord, what, what is it I'm meant to be hoping for? Specifically, what am I meant to be hoping for? In, in a world that just feels really noisy with trauma, what, what am I specifically hoping for? And I know that um, as we look at some of our friends and we think about this question even, even amongst the people that we know in our own context, that's a question which can still stand. God, what are you doing amongst my friends and, and what am I to hope for? And I want you to just think a moment about that question. Um, so think about the people that you know, people that you kind of rub shoulders with day to day, What one word do you think that they would use to describe Christianity? You can ask each other in your group or you can you can just take a moment to think about what that what that response might be. It might be positive or it might be negative or if we're being honest, maybe we just don't know because we've we've not asked them. We've disengaged or we're not engaging with that question. Now, what I want to do this morning is just to share with you some results from a research project that's been undertaken by the Evangelical Alliance over the last few years. It's called the Talking Jesus Project. If you've not heard of it, it is 
it's gold dust and it's so encouraging and I would recommend that you go away and Google it and have a look. Um, so the research was about asking, getting kind of like a wide angle lens, a, a bird's eye view of faith really in our nation and specifically Christianity. What is it that people think about Christianity um, and more specifically Jesus, talking Jesus? Um, so the research showed, I just want to pull out two things on parallel tracks, really. Um, on one hand, when people were asked to describe the church, the feedback was negative. People used words like hypocritical and narrow-minded. Now, that might not feel that surprising. Actually, when you hear people talking in the media about the church, sometimes we hear the words bigoted or, that, or that's what we expect to hear. So maybe that doesn't feel particularly surprising. However, when it came to people describing Christians that they know in their lives, the, the, um, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. So people would use words like friendly, caring, generous, good-humoured to describe people. So the, the overall perception, negative perception that people had were often not true when they thought of real-time examples of Christians in their lives. I'm gonna say that again. That negative perception that people had of the church in general were often not true when it came to the people that they actually knew who followed Jesus in their lives. It was overwhelmingly positive. And you know what would be a tragedy? <laughs> Is if we stopped talking to people about Jesus because we thought that they thought that we're bigots but actually they think of us as caring and generous. The research also showed that 33%, this is, this is mind blowing, but 33% of non-Christians want to specifically find out more about Jesus. Not just faith or Christianity in general, but specifically find out about Jesus. That's one in three of all adults in our nation specifically want to know about Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but my mind was blown <laughs> when I read that. I felt very encouraged because that is that is not the perception that I had had when I just kind of thought, thought about it by myself. Um, and what's more is that the first project was undertaken in 2015. And obviously then there was one done this year in 2022. Now, what the two research projects have shown is that more people are interested in finding about Jesus now than they were seven odd years ago. That's more people want to know about Jesus now than pre-pandemic. And so as we ask this question and we go back to the beginning, Jesus, what do I hope for? What am I supposed to be hoping for? Or what are you doing in the lives of my friends and my family? I hope that this project, this feedback can be rekindling. It can, can rekindle some of our expectations of faith for what might God, might God might be doing in and through us. Well, I don't know about you, but I find that research very interesting, very sparking, a little bit sobering, but a little bit hopeful as well. And I want you to now bat this whole thing around. Uh, Annabelle's got some hosty information to give you, which is really important. So listen to that. Um, and then uh, after that, there'll be some questions and a chance to pray. Um, but I want you to really grab this. What's stood out to you from that research? What's your response to it? What's your response to the idea of us doing church in such a way as it feels like loving, generous friendship rather than the negative view of Christianity that has saturated our culture? 
what's inspired you, what's it got you thinking about. Uh, go for it, but first listen to Annabelle.